Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. It's that time of year where we'll be looking ahead to the Autumn Internationals and we'll be taking a close look back at all the Premiership action as always, including a hell of a shock down at Sandy Park. We will be getting the lowdown on that game by London Irish's Wallaby scrum half Nick Phipps. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well. I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Au contraire, you're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. How's your week been, lads? Andrew, boats and jet skis. Tried to ring. I've been trying to ring him. Why can't I get hold of you in dubs? Mate, Dubai's difficult. We're still in Dubai, nearly at the end of our second week, which has been very nice. Yeah, it's weird. Like, everything's blocked here. So WhatsApp calling, FaceTime, loads of stuff is blocked. So I've got to get a VPN, but VPNs are illegal, and you don't want to break the law in Dubai, because apparently you get your hand chopped off if you drop a bit of litter. So Hands, hands. Uh. Yeah, or hands. So, uh, yeah, mate, it's great. You know, we've been out on the jet skis. We've just living our, our best life, Jim. But I keep seeing a lot of people whacking up photos. You see a lot of women on the beach taking half an hour to take selfies and all this stuff, trying to get the sunlight, trying to get the sunset, trying to get their best body position, you know, get the kids in. My kids don't want to look at any pictures. How hard is it getting your twins to look at pictures so you can try and take a decent family photo? Impossible. And I read something online, I can't remember who put it out there on on social media, but people that live their best life don't put it on social media. People that want to think they're living their best life Whack it all over social media. So I've only put a couple of things up, which was basically eating in Nobu, but we're having a hell of a time, James. Who the hell do you think you are? Do you think you're Drake or something? I don't know. Well, no, who's Drake? Well, Drake's the musician who wrote it on one of his lyrics. Anyway, more importantly to your question, if you're in Dubai, right, and say that you get caught VPN in it or whatever, and they said, right, we're going to chop your hand or your leg off, you choose, which one would you go for? Oh, it's difficult, really. Which hand? Well, which leg? You've got gout in both of them, so I'd say just take both of them, would you not? <laughs> no, my, my left leg's all right now after the, the knee operation I had a few years back, the pins and plates. My ankle is recovering. That's my right ankle. I'm just, yeah, I'm struggling. Walking around the pool, having a limp. Some bloke did actually come up to me and said, uh, mate, how's the, how's the leg? I've seen you limping around the pool a bit. I said, yeah, you know, I've had... Um, couple of pins and plates and well to be honest 11 pins in my ankle two plates he's like you sure and he actually said to me he goes mate you sure it's not gout i'm like mate that's fucking swelling mate that's the plate sticking out let me it's the color of it it's not not necessarily (laughs) the sweat it's the color that that frightens me so you've answered your own question so basically you chop the leg off with the screws and the plates and yeah i'd get i'd get rid of my right leg that's kicked about five thousand points jim yeah that's got to go what would you take jim what would i take oh gosh i mean it'd have to be it'd have to be my feet my legs, because my feet are absolutely hanging. If you saw my left foot, you think, we've, we've chatted about it before, it looks like I've got gangrene in my toes. <laughs> Tell the scrums that. Tell the scrums that. All four plus the toenail, 
are falling off. They're hanging off every time. They're yellow. They're green. If, if it's Paul Scholes, he'd probably eat it. But. <laughs> that's, the, that's what I'm saying. So Beck, Beck doesn't do a Paul Scholes on you then give you two of the old toenails, does she? No. Oh, I don't know what's going on there with Scholesy. That's just wrong. But yeah, it? it'd be the left foot. But I'll have a week, lads. I'll have a week for me. Go on. Nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. I say nothing. I've been, I was in Dublin at the weekend doing the big one, Zebra versus Edinburgh from a studio, talking about that. And on Friday, I was. Uh, it was a big game, Glasgow versus Leinster. My goodness me. Leinster. Before we get into the ruggers, I saw you put your best life up on social media, the picture of you, Rob Carney, and who's the other guy? Dougie Vipond. He's from Deacon Blue. Right, we'll call him Dave. Just call him Scott. And a bit of advice, Jim, and I'm sure your missus looks at your social media, never put a picture up. There's a reason I don't put pictures up of other blokes. Never put a picture up there of a better looking bloke than you. And Rob Carney looks slick as anything, didn't he? And there's you in about 14 coats. Well, it was Rob Carney's first game. So he did say to me, why are you wearing five coats? I thought you're Scottish. I said, yeah, but I'm also a quarter Chinese. So that part of it and the other bit of it get cold. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to wrap up, lads. You've got to wrap up. And it was good, actually. I enjoyed Rob Carney's company. And big shout out, actually, because I went to his bar on Saturday when I was over in Dublin called The Lemon and Duke. Andrew, you would love it. Oh, all of, Andy Rowe, you'd love it too. But Andrew would really like it because I had about 50 chicken wings on one plate. So <laughs> that's why I said that. What about the Guinness? Did you, get, did you get a Guinness and Black in you? You know, Andrew, you know my choice of drink. You know, you're opening me up here. Yeah, I had four of them. Yeah, nice. There you go. <laughs> so no, busy weekend for me. Things are, as we know, opening back up. And we can talk about the autumn tests. Oh God, I've got some big games. Italy, Uruguay over in Italy for Amazon. So we can talk about them once I've been or maybe the week before. But yeah, things are opening back up is my point. Well, things are opening up in Wales next Wednesday, the 3rd of November. We are back. It's our comeback. We're going to be at the depot in Cardiff. And we're going to be joined by Springboks legend and former captain Bobby Skinstat. He'll be our special guest for the evening. You can get your tickets still. There's still a few available on Eventbrite. It's just 20 quid. And you get a free pint of cores with that as well. And Jim, how good is it going to be to have a pint with Bobby Skinstad? What a good-looking guy he is as well. It's not all about looks, Andrew. No, true. He is absolutely a top bloke as well. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise. Is it next week? I've not even booked my flights yet. Mate, it's next Who's Wen- booking them? It's next Wednesday. Just get back to do it. Get Pablo or I can get Pablo on the go. He's had a few Thanks, weeks off mate. while we've been in Dubai. So, mate, just get some admin down your neck. Thank you. I remember actually last time where we were going to Wales, Goody, who's normally bulletproof, apart from the gout, was feeling sick on the way over. <laughs> I was. Oh, no. <laughs> he was sweating profusely and to the point where I'm like, mate, are you all right? And we get to Cardiff. I'm like, are you all right to do this? And obviously, as professional as he is, he, he drinks four or five pints. And then on the way home, he has two kebab and chips. <laughs> and the next day, he says, I'm fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it was pretty brutal on the way down. But yeah, it was a good night, actually. Pauli led the charge, and hopefully Bobby Skinstad will do it this Wednesday. Oh, it will definitely be another good night. Go to eventbrite.com and make sure you search for the rugby pod. They're only 20 quid. Still a few tickets available, so go and check that out now. And the Autumn Internationals, they do kick off this weekend, don't they? Oh, the big one. Scotland Tonga. Is yeah, there you go. Go on, go on. Tell me about that one, Jim. What are you expecting from Scotland against Tonga? A win. You hope. I don't even know. See, you've put a little seed in my doubt in my mind there, Andrew. It's not. Scotland should beat Tonga, who are not at full complement for whatever reasons. We know the politics and obviously there's some COVID issues as well to get through. Scotland, 
you like to think off winning the Six Nations that <laughs> we're going to beat Tonga. You what? Well, effectively <laughs> did. We effectively, well, we beat England and France to two hard games. So we effectively won it. So let's not forget <laughs> what it looked like for Scotland before. Obviously, the summer tour didn't go ahead. Well, not obviously, because not everyone on here is a Scotland fan. I could be half of our million listeners are. So they missed the summer tour because of the COVID situation. So it'd be good to see them play. We're not going to have... England and French, basically, we've not got Finn Russell, is what I'm saying. If people are asking, we've not got Finn. <laughs> no Chris Harris. No Chris Harris. No no Adam Hastings. And they're probably the headline ones, really. Max Scott, Hoggy. Actually, what am I saying headline ones? We're missing our captain. We're missing our skin. <laughs> Actually, we could struggle. <laughs> we could struggle. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. But as we know, no disrespect to Tonga, Scotland have got some huge games against Australia, South Africa. And one game which I think could be the toughest of the lot because of the way that the games fall the fact that we've got the two perceived biggest games in South Africa and Australia Japan the last game and we all know what happened two years ago in Japan at the World Cup Japan pulled the pants down we saw some ginger piaps we saw a lot of Scottish um, heartache Japan I didn't see the game against Australia I don't know how you consume this Southern Hemisphere rugby anymore it's like is it on a different channel is it on Babe Station like anyway (laughs) Is, is Babe Station still going I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That says a guilty man right there. That is a guilty man right there, James. Not that I know of. All I know is, I say it here straight, you don't don't get Southern Hemisphere rugby on Babe Station. That's all I know. (laughs) I went searching for it. You couldn't find it. But my point being is the Japan-Australia game was obviously close. And that's going to be the big one in in the leader. But as we know, the biggest game of the weekend... And if you're going based on Welsh rugby at the minute, and you're going based on 100, oh, it could be a long day at the office, but I'll let you chat about that. Well, this is the thing. I mean, to our to all our listeners, the reason we're saying that the likes of Stuart Hogg and Chris Harris and Hastings, these guys are missing, this game sits outside of the international window, doesn't it? So Scotland are playing Tonga as a kind of a warm-up game to the their big three. I don't want to disrespect Tonga, but... You know, within World Rugby, the regular it's Regulation Nine, isn't it, James? It's Reg Nine. I was part of that. Not that it's about me, but just bring me back. I was involved in that Reg. Uh, basically, it's your fault, then, Jim. But uh, yeah, so if you're not playing within the country that you're playing for, so obviously all the Welsh players can play that are playing in Wales. You know, Alex Cuthbert, he's been called back up to the squad today, but there's a lot of Welsh guys going to be missing as well. The likes of Dan Bigger, Lewis Rees, Summit, Toby Falatau, and then they've got a few injuries on top of that. So yeah, this first round, I mean, poor Wales, they're playing New Zealand who have just put 160 points on the USA. I mean, let's call it 200. And they're missing a hell of a lot of boys, aren't they? But they, I still think they've got half-decent team Wales, but they've got... If they keep it under 50, Shane Williams reckons they could lose by 50. If Wales keep it under 50, it's a success. Andrew, we've got to be very careful here. We're in Wales next week. Oh, shit, yeah. Wales are going to win. Wales are going <laughs> to win. <laughs> I'm a quarter Welsh as well, lads. So, um, you know, just, just welcome me in with open arms and loads of Guinness and black. Well, with the Autumn Internationals back, so too is the old favourite, the Guinness Pint Predictor. Goody kept up his form during the Six Nations last year, finishing 354th in the Rugby Pod League. Oh, that's great. 300 and what? 354th, mate, out of a million. That's not bad, is it? Well, it's not great. It's not great. Jim, do you know, can you remember where you came? Well, if I'm not in the top 10, then what's the point in doing it? 1,896th. <laughs> oh, the expert. Well, that's two in a row for Goody. So let's get your predictions in, lads. Winner and margin. Let's start with Scotland v Tonga. Uh, I'll start here because I'm a Scottish legend, Michael Hamish said. I'm going to go 30 points 
to 18 in favour of Scotland. Really? 30 points to 18? It's quite what, tight. do you think it's going to be more? If Scotland win 30 points to 18, I'm disappointed for Scotland. Tonga are missing loads of boys. I'm going to go Scotland 40, Tonga 10. Much bigger margin, James. Come on, Scotland. Wales, New Zealand, you guys are thinking Wales are going to get pumped? or? <sighs> yeah, I mean, you're looking at it. The Welsh team has not been announced yet, but they've still got some quality there. Alan Wynn. I mean, I can see him just dominating a... Why are you shaking your head when you say it? Why are you shaking <laughs> I don't, your head I don't know. I didn't, I didn't mean to shake my head. Sorry, Alan Wynne-Jones. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're missing a few. But their back line, John Fox-Davis is back, looking fit. Josh Adams, uh, Willis Halaholo, who's actually a Kiwi, isn't he, Andy Rowe? Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. Did you see yeah. his tweet the other day? No, I didn't. No, I don't follow him. He probably follows me, but I don't follow him. But I will do. What do you say? In 2011, when we won the World Cup, he was obviously back in New Zealand and he tweeted that he was driving around with his mates in a car. Can't believe it. It's been 10 years since I was driving around with my mates in a car, drunk and on drugs. Banter. I mean, can you imagine the social media manager there or the media manager in Wales just going, yeah, man, that's fine. Play on. Play on. Yeah, not wise. But anyway, it'll be interesting. It's a massive thing for him, isn't it, in reality? He's come over to Wales and he has carved up. Let's not beat around Jim's bush. He's a hell of a player. But playing against his fellow New Zealanders, even if he's in a... Do you reckon he's going to do the hacker back to them? Because, you know, sometimes you see that happen, don't you? Like, you see opposing hackers. Is he just going to get his tongue out and... I, I am a culturist and I can't see it. I'd love it if he did. Well, if he's that... Actually, you know what? I'm going to put me out in the ring. If he has put that out as a tweet, it will not surprise me if he takes his top off and stands there and does the hacker back. There you go. If you've got the bollocks and the audacity to do that, then, mate, do it back. I mean, it will go viral. We'll talk about it. I'll follow you. You've won in life. Life made. All right, score predictions then, lads. 47 points to 13. That's not a bad shout. I'm going to go a bit more, though. Wales. Uh, To Wales. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go 52-10 to Wales. No, to New Zealand. 52-10. Richie Mwanga, talk to me about that soul glow hairdo. I mean, it's just lovely, isn't it? I want to touch it. New Zealanders are pretty unique for their shit haircuts, aren't they? Yes, you are, Andy Rowe. (laughs) And also eating cat food and being weird. Yeah, there's a lot of mullets floating around. A lot of mullets. When you're that good, literally, it doesn't matter, does it? Nah. It's one of them. If you're getting absolutely hammered, like the USA team, and you're laughing at the hacker or you're smiling... You just need to stand there. You, you cannot have anything but a two at the side and a trim on top when you're USA. If you've got anything that resembles a mullet or a moustache or a gotti or anything, it's bad enough getting 100 points for you. You can't look like that. And I say that from experience. We played against the All Blacks and for the first time ever, I did me a bit for charity for Movember. I had the best handlebar you've ever seen. I'm telling you now, in slow motion, when you're trying to track down Dan Carter and it's up on the big screen and you've got a big, massive handlebar, it does not look good and it is not... Hold on, can we just backtrack? <laughs> track, <laughs> track down Dan Carter. That sounds like he's made a break and you are going after him and you're winning that battle. That's basically saying that you've got more wheels than Dan Carter and you, you tracked him back, you tackled him and you were the hero. Andrew, for the millions... Did I send you the screenshot of my messaging and him messaging me back, DC? Yeah, but a, a message on Instagram isn't talking about the wheels that you tracked him back and made did the tackle Did he downs. say I tackled him? Did he say I tackled him? No, I don't think he did. I definitely did. Not in the instant. He did, actually. To be fair, he did say you tackled him, but I think that was when he had no other options and just thought he'd run over you. So he probably... It was a soak-up tackle again, wasn't it, Jim? Probably. So ask me again, did I tackle him? That time? Did you? Yeah, that time you tackled him, but did you track him back and, and pick him up and... 
clean him out and all the things that you think. No, was, no, there we go. Good. No, he went under the post. Yeah, just <laughs> anyway. Make sure you get involved and join our league on the Match Pint app to win loads of free pints for you and your mates. Just use the code RugbyPod. And the lads will be doing a live Q&A on YouTube this Thursday evening at 6.30pm to answer all your questions live ahead of the November Internationals. So make sure you're following us on YouTube as well. Should we get into the Premiership action now then? Cootie, what happened, mate? Where do we start? Wasps, Saracens. Mate, just say salary cap. Uh, that's all I've got to say about it. Salary cap. Andrew, you've listened to my interview with Neil Golden. You can't blame salary cap now. <laughs> you, you can't do that. Well, you need um, to blame defence. Blame defence. I'll just say I'll be an arse there because I actually thought with what I saw from Wasps, they were trying very hard and they were playing with Desperado, unlike one team that I'm sure we'll get onto, Andrew, that you put a tweet about. But I felt for Wasps, but it was against the impossible, really. Yeah, I mean, you're comparing a a Wasp team with 20 players missing effectively, loads of changes, like Loney's coming in, short-term signings coming in, and it was basically a backs-to-the-wall selection of of we know we're going to Saracens and it's you know it's a bit of a shame really isn't it because yeah I blame you Jim Hamilton for this result because if you think back to it the last time I'm pretty sure the last time Saracens played Wasps was when Wasps put 50 points on them at the Rico Arena and you laughed about it you're at the Rico Arena in your Wasps jersey absolutely loving life and it's a bit of payback because it was the strongest strongest Saracens teams possible, wasn't it? You've got the likes of Billy and Mako who are raging because they're not being picked by Eddie Jones. Jamie George was on fire as well. And it was you know, Maratoji back from the injury that some said he was going to be ruled out of the Autumn Internationals. Five minutes later, he's the best player on the pitch again. It was Saracens' full noise first team against... No, Wasps. it wasn't. It wasn't. They had Swinnow on the bench. So <laughs> True, <wasn't>. yeah, true. <laughs> true. And actually, on Swinnow... Do you hear what Mark McCall said about him last week? No, no, I didn't say it, no. I think it was, he said something like, he's the greatest ever signing that we've made from this club. In from- two years. In, in two years. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was, I, you got to feel, do you feel sorry for the Wasp lads? Yeah, I do, because ultimately, you know, you're coming up against the bookies' favourites to win the league, who are, you know, and, and to quote Jim Hamilton, I think Saracens will struggle early in the season. Did you not say that, Jim? I said they struggle but make top four because they're a team in transition. But I will reiterate. (laughs) Where? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Well, they are, aren't they? Because you look at the makeup of the team with Maka, Vanapola, Jamie George, Vincent Cock, holy shit, uh, Marrow, (laughs) Billy. Actually, you're seeing quality young lads coming through and they're delivering. And we can talk about Max Malians and we can talk about Ben Earl. I think Nick Tompkins has been brilliant as well. So... Maybe they're not. Maybe my question or my statement has been answered. But I, I think, and again, this is with a bias hat on, and some people will hate me for saying it and think, oh, yeah, here he goes. Jim, Saracens, they're your team. They love Jim. Do you know what I mean? We won this, we won that. One of the greatest Saris we've ever done it from Scotland. <laughs> like, I know what you're all thinking. My point being, the kind of rugby that they're playing, and against Wasp, actually, there was a load of skill errors. They were dropping the ball. The ball wasn't sticking. But in terms of all the teams, we know what Quinns can do. We know that what Bristol used to do. You understand what Leicester are doing. But in terms of style of rugby, I think Saracens are one of the most enjoyable teams to watch. And that's because they're star-studded. And they're now within this salary cap. So there's no questions <laughs> really being asked, yeah. Andrew. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jim, you alluded to another team that got spanked over the weekend that Maybe didn't put it in enough effort. Were you talking about Worcester? Conceding 66 points, you're correct. Yes. 
And I could sit here with a wry smile because I'm not having to eat my Timberland boot. I think we can say that categorically now. Let's just say if they make top six, I'll eat six Timberland boots. <laughs> I'm that confident now. Yeah. But I don't know. I look, it, it's hard, Worcester, because you've got to state the obvious right in terms of historically what that they've done. They've got the checkbook out again this year in terms of the players that they've signed. Willie Hines, Owen Williams, Duan van der Merwe, Rory Sutherland, two British and Irish Lions. There's got to be a question around recruitment when you look at the team and the kind of depth that they've got. <laughs> Lads, where are all the South Africans? <laughs> <laughs> where, where's Ashy? It could have been worse. If it was Ashy, it could have been 80 to 100 <laughs> points. Um, my point being, look, they've, they've got a lot of injuries. So in terms of their big, big players, Ted Hill's one of their best players, Willie Hines, injured, Owen Williams, injured, Ollie Lawrence, injured, Ashy, we don't know where he is. Well, let's just pick up on Ashy then, Jim, because I said it a few weeks ago, didn't I, that there were rumours around Worcester not overly being happy with him and him potentially not being overly happy at Worcester. And then someone in the press picks up on it, asks Jonathan Thomas about it. He's like, no, nah, he's all good. We had a hug. I've heard he's been, and I don't know whether it's true or not, just a rumour. And we love a rumour on the rugby pod. I've heard he's been suspended for a scrap in the changing room. That's all I'm saying, Jim. That is all I'm saying. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but that's just what I'm talking about. A naked scrap. You love putting rumours out there. Someone actually came at me and they were like, why are you being horrible to Ashy? Chris Ashton used to come in every single day and say, you make me sick. You make me feel feel sick. You look like a bus mattress and a bin bag full of sick. That's what he used to say every single day. So who's being horrible? Is that the case? If it is, hand on heart, if that is true... I actually feel bad for Ashu because of the place that he's in in his career now. Like, where do you go? I'm not being horrible to Worcester. Where do you go from Worcester? Poe? Poe? Arjen? Where do you go? I don't know. It's tough. Uh, you know, he's had some injury issues. I know that. Um, and he's a, he's a man that wears his heart in his sleeve. He's not scared to say what he thinks. And I think from what I gather, someone said something. Someone's had a pop back. And, you know, it might be all blown out of proportion, but... The fact that Worcester were asked about where is Chris Ashton before the game and Jonathan Thomas said, oh, I'm only here to talk about the players that are available, not the ones that aren't available. He didn't mention injury. So, yeah, there's, there's obviously something there and it's, it's, it's difficult for Ashley. It's difficult for the club. I presume they're going to part ways at some point. But, yeah, going back to the game, Worcester, they were missing the spine of their team. So, And I tweeted, you know, some players that just didn't... You can see effort and you can see boys just stood around not really putting it in and that's I feel sorry for JT Jonathan Thomas is a great bloke you know he's a, I've had a few nights out on the piss with him but you've now seen his evolution as a coach he left Bristol to go back to Worcester and he wants to become a huge success at Worcester and drive in you know the club in a direction with new owners and I, fe- I felt some of the players are let him down I really do you know you look at the, the effort on the field on Friday night and I think you can excuse players for skill errors and you can excuse players for system errors and things like that if they're, you know, where you, where you could turn and point the coaches. But I'm seeing boys just, a few of them just lack of effort, you know, dropping off tackles they don't really want to make, not sticking their shoulder in. And I've been there at times when that's been pointing the finger at me. And it's it's probably very true at times, but, you know, we're here yeah, to Yeah, but discuss. you have Martin Johnson and Jim Hamilton at either side of you. <laughs> true. To make up very, for that. Yeah, very true. It's difficult for JT. He's a young coach. There's a lot of pressure on him now after a result like that and the result the week before against uh, Leicester where they conceded 40-odd at home. And let's not forget, Johnny Bell's a great defensive coach, but things just aren't working there at the minute and they've just got to graft and graft and graft and hopefully they come good finishing the top six and then Jim's eating six Timberland boots. Gloucester are four games unbeaten now, aren't they, Jim? 
You surprised by that? I am a little bit surprised because Andrew, who's meant to be the Oracle, had them down as bottom of the table and that has spurred them on. Apparently, it's up all around the changing rooms. Andy Goose said this, Andy Goose said that. You're welcome. We don't drink Wolfpack, Jim's Wolfpack at the stadium. Let's prove these guys wrong. Naturally, I've got a soft spot for Gloucester. My best mate, Ray Vosarm, is a team manager. I've got a lot of mates in that area and I thought it was going to be a tough season for them. Goody thought they were going to finish bottom. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. But actually, when you look at what George Skivington has done, it's probably similar to what Borthwick's done at Leicester. Mm. He stripped it all back. They've gone back to the forwards because that is historically what Gloucester fans have liked. You've got Lewis Ludlow as well as captain. Their line-out is functioning extremely well. Uh, They're ballsy in some of their calls that they're making. They're going off the back of the line-out. Jack Singleton and the way that the... Pack's working for Gloucester, is doing really well around the line-out. They've got a strong line-out drive. And then outside of that, you've got out-and-out gas, whatever back three they decide to put out. Then you put a couple of tough buggers in the mixer, obviously guys like Harris and Atkinson and these types of players. And actually, you've got a framework to be able to work with. So I like the way that Gloucester play. Newcastle's try was an opportunist try, really. It was quite lucky. It came off the back of an offload off the back of one of the Gloucester players and they scored. But Gloucester fully deserved, absolutely yeah. fully deserves. And, and the Premiership's better for teams like Gloucester. Look at Leicester, how good they are now. Traditional rugby clubs, Northampton. You know, traditional clubs with a, with, with a historic fan base where the TV figures are big, the stadium figures are big on these types of teams. And on that side of things, I'm happy to see Gloucester. I feel like for once, you can see what they're trying to do. They're settled and then they can add slowly uh, and grow that, that squad more and more. They've gone back to type, as Jim said, but their acid test this week is Exeter at home on Friday night where Exeter have been seriously questioned by Rob Baxter around their mental attitude. So you know Exeter are coming full beans, aren't they? With that loss to London Irish rank, do you think, for Exeter as far as premiership shocks? For me, I don't think it's the shock of the loss because even though London Irish, on paper, their results haven't been good, they actually play some really good rugby and they've got quality players on paper. For me, it's not about the shock of losing that game. It was the manner in which it was. I don't remember seeing Exeter play that bad in terms of as passive as they are. You know, when Exeter have lost games before, they've generally been quite close. Do you know what I mean? Or Mm. it's been down to kind of line breaks or, you know, they're up against top, top level opposition. In that game there, having watched it and watched the highlights back, I just couldn't believe how passive they were in defence and you know London Irish were made to work hard and we can get we can talk about London Irish after but it was just when you look at it for London Irish to get five points and a bonus point after 50 minutes that shows you how bad Exeter were with no disrespect to London Irish with the quality that Exeter had out in terms of their team sheet yeah for Exeter Jim, Rob Baxter's come out and said it himself. He's disappointed with their concentration levels and how switched on they stay in a game. And, you know, they had 62% possession. You expect that for an extra team because they like to dominate possession. But you've got to credit London Irish's defence. Brad Davis, one of my favourite ever coaches to work under, he's the defence coach. They made 239 tackles in that game. And there were so many physically dominant tackles as well in it. So You know, on that, Goody, on on the tackle stats, and again, I don't normally hit tackle stats. Have you seen them or can I just reel some of these off? I've seen it's 239, yeah. Yeah, so out of that, Tom Pearson, on debut, made 24 tackles. Matt Rogerson, 23. Will Goodrick-Clark, who is a loose head prop, made 21 tackles in 65 minutes. 
Ollie Hoskins as well made 20 tackles in 58 minutes. Well, there so you go. without hit, hitting people with stats, if that was Mako Vunapola making that many tackles, we'd be all over him. Top end players in terms of profile get the spotlight and they can yeah. do things and it's like, wow, look at them. You know, you mentioned Brad Davis there. He's a guy that, Goody, I know that you've obviously spoken to on the rugby pod and someone that you speak massively high of. You've got to put them stats out there. Yeah. Because Exeter, like we can say, oh, they didn't play very well or whatever, but for your work rate, for the for the kind of heartbeat, being your loose head and your tight head, to make a combined tackles of, of 41 and having not played the full game, that shows you the culture they've got in the team, how hard they've had to work and actually how much they fucking deserve to win. Well, speaking of London Irish's win at Sandy Park, we can have a chat now with the Wallaby scrum half, Nick Phipps, who joins us. How are you, mate? G'day, boys. How are you going? Nick, very good. Good to see you smiling. Let's just get straight to it. We just went through the tackle completion rate of some of your forwards. How much alcohol was consumed on the way home? I mean, because was Will and Ollie Hoskins drinking one for every tackle or not? <laughs> well, you know what they say, the best way to ice is from the inside, so the the big boys sort of commanded the back table up the up the back of the bus and uh, had a few quiet ones to celebrate. It was it's a good feeling, mate. It was you know monkey off the back to be honest. It's sort of been a long time coming and we've we haven't been too far away from sort of a performance like that. And it's nice to just sort of do it on the big stage, especially against such an awesome team like Exeter. It's an amazing game, and ultimately. You know, from the inside, it's one of those things. When you're looking from the outside, you're thinking, you know, London Irish have put some brilliant sort of patches together in games where you've come back. You know, I go back to the Sale game when you were behind. You played some unbelievable rugby, you know, and and ended up with a draw. But from the outside, people are going, well, they're still losing games. How tough's it been from the inside, where you know you're playing really well in patches, but inconsistent in others, and you've got that performance in you just to keep the belief going? Because ultimately. It's been, what's it been, 210 days since a victory. It's hard to keep that belief going as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's been uh, it's been tough in the way that you're really close. Like, we play some great footy in, in patches the last sort of five games. Uh, you know, we've been able to string good halves together. But then, you know, mirrored on that is some absolute stinking sort of fat passages of play and some performances. So it's almost like you're more frustrated how close you are rather than if you're absolutely nowhere near the ball, to be honest. And it was nice. that I was talking with Paddy on the drive home this other and he was just saying, you know, we're probably two or three kicks off sort of being four wins and, and sitting really well. But, you know, it gives us a lot of belief that we're really close. And um, now, to be honest, our biggest test is, is going up against Bristol this week. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's a bit of a throwaway question, but interested to know, you know, when we talk about the top four, we talk about the top six, and London Irish don't often feature in our conversations around top four and top six. I think everyone now needs to take notice after that one at the weekend, the how you've won and the style of rugby that you play in. What is the ambition of London Irish? Do, do, do the coaches speak about it? Do the senior players speak about what success looks like at the club now? <laughs> Can you leave us alone? Let us just fly under the radar a little bit longer. Yeah, I don't need too many of our boys getting uh, too ahead of themselves just yet. Uh, yeah, we've spoken about it. Um, we definitely want to be in the top half of the table. Semi-finals, you know, that's people only play footy for finals, isn't it? That's that's what you play the game for. And giving sort of blokes in our squad that sort of goal for some of them, it might be like that is so far away from where we are. And, you know, for them to be able to start judging themselves on a semi-final team or a semi-final player in their position is really important for us. So, you know, we are targeting to try and finish in that top half of the table, to finish top six, sneak into some semis or something like that. That'd be fantastic for the club. But it's more of the process about how to get there. Anyone can just be like, let's make semis. It's 
you know, you got 13 teams there all targeting those finals at the end of the year. And for us, it's more about the process of how you become a semi-final team, how you become a semi-final player. And that's really important for us that are moving forward. Yeah, you talked about some of the younger players there, but also you've got some really old coaches and I don't want to pigeonhole anyone, but I mean, Declan Kidneybean's about 105 years old and he's still leading the charge. <laughs> um, he doesn't show much emotion, but then you've got Les Kiss, who I know is quite an emotional guy, and Brad Davis, who coached me at Wasps, who I would just absolutely love to bits as a bloke and a coach. You've got some different characters there. How are they sort of focusing on you know bringing the young guys through, but also trying to keep that winning mentality? Yeah, they're good. You know, Deck and Les are just a bit like yin and yang. They... You can imagine they'd have some real battles behind closed doors uh, talking about different things. And that's probably the biggest strength of their relationship. They're able to have those good conversations together. You know, like you said, Brad's been unbelievable for us. Our our defensive structure is so good, which you would have seen on some big passages of play on the weekend. And for us, it's, you know, the the structure's good and then it's just committing to it. We are really lucky. We've got a really sort of good core bunch of senior blokes, but then, the junior guys are the ones we're focused most on. You know, your Oli Hassel Collins, your Ben Loaders, your Tom Partons, Matt Williams, and those sort of boys coming through. You know, you saw um, Tom Pearson come through first debut game on the weekend. They're unbelievable. They're the future of the club, to be honest. So it's really important for us. They've got a great structure around them, those young boys. Uh, the academy coaches are actually taking a lot more of a progressive role with them and working a lot more with them through the week, uh, which is really helping them and, and, and it's building our club from the bottom up. One thing I wanted to talk about was the stadium. And I don't know whether you know or not, myself and Goody were meant to play for London Irish. Thankfully for London Irish, we didn't. Um, I retired at Saracens. I had two years. When Nick Kennedy was there, they sold me the storm. They sold me the dream. They sold me the stadium. It's not too late, mate. It's not too late. Oh, thank you. You've seen me play then. Uh, it definitely is. Um, but just talk to us because you've got the training ground and obviously the stadium now. What's, how much of a difference does it make having a stadium that's in London? Well, yeah, that's probably the main bit. In London, if, if you've been out to Majeski, it's a, it's a long, long old trek out there. And to call yourself London Irish, it's a bit of a stretch. Um, it's, it, honestly, it's fantastic. I know, I don't know if you guys have been to a heap of games there, but the, just the, the, the stadium where it's situated, right next to a train station, there's about 40 pubs within a rock's row. You know, everyone there is buzzing, having a really good time. Sometimes you're out there playing and you just feel like sort of you, you're a bit of a side piece of entertainment and you see everyone sort of, having so much fun in there, which it's fantastic for us. It's, it's so important for the club um, to reconnect with London again and, and get all those, those fans that haven't really been able to commit to a trip out to Majeski before to come in and, and enjoy themselves. And we're really, really lucky. Like, obviously, we've got a lot of Irish supporters, but getting into London again and giving that alternative to a team in, in the middle of London has been really special. And uh, hopefully we can put a few more good performances in front of our home crowd, which we haven't done the last four or five games. But... Once they start to see a few wins and start to get really behind us, I'm looking forward to sort of getting some good numbers in there. A few of my mates went to a game a few weeks back um, and they said they don't remember any of the rugby, but they had an unbelievable time <laughs> on the piss. So uh, yeah, that's, probably, that's probably a win-win, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good. It was good. You talk about the Irish start thing there, obviously. Paddy Jackson, he's, he's a guy that has come over and, yeah, there was some questions around when he came over, but he's played exceptionally well for the club. How important is it for having likes of him uh, Sean O'Brien as well, the actual Irish contingent in there, not only playing, but playing exceptionally well and being the fulcrum of the team. Yeah, they've been unbelievable. Paddy, you've obviously seen play a lot the last few years and, you know, be one of our best players week in, week out. He's been phenomenal. But more importantly, like what you guys wouldn't see, he's behind the scenes. He's very engaged in the group. He's very engaged in the style of play. That That's his thing, I guess. Like 
he's always talking about how he want to play. He's you know working really well with Les Kiss with the moves and the style and the structure and how he want to build uh, you know our progression plan. And he's really 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 big on that stuff, which is really it's, it's so important for us. You can see some of the plays that we have week in week out as a d- direct reflection on him. You know, and then you got like Sean O'Brien. And unfortunately, we haven't got to see him play as much as we would have liked to just yet. Um, and him too, he's, he's a crazy, crazy bugger. He's, he's stinging to get back out there. But he's been so important for us behind the group. He's he's so firm on his beliefs and how people need to carry themselves around the club, the professionalism. And we need that. You know, we need that sort of hard edge to us a little bit. And and it is, we are the London Irish, but it's good to have a lot of those Irish blokes in there. I think we sort of lost our identity a little bit the last few years. And they've come in and put a lot of that Irish emphasis on the club and, you know, the culture of our club, which that's who we are essentially you know we're we're a bunch of sort of exiles from ireland all the way over here sort of forming a unique bond and that's been really special for us just tell sean he's not getting another game after tom pearson made 24 tackles at the weekend so um tell him to (laughs) enjoy the guinness (laughs) don't worry the old bull will be back don't worry about that (laughs) he's uh he's great there he's got a lot of the seventh competition to be honest you know i got isaac curtis harris tom pearson coming through and then we got a lot of young boys coming through which he gives a lot of his time to those boys, which is fantastic to see. You know, imagine being a young guy learning off Sean O'Brien. You know, one of the, one of the best to ever pull on the jersey. So we're lucky to have that uh, in our ranks every day. It's really nice to hear you talk about the London Irish kind of culture behind talking about the young lads and obviously the, the history and the the island connection naturally. But I want to talk about Australia, if that's okay. My one of my good mates, Petrus Dupasi. If you follow him on Instagram, the Australia forwards coach, they're in Brighton. He's, he's videoing the beach. It looks great on Instagram. I said, mate, I'll, I'll come down and catch up. He said, no, we're not allowed out of the hotel. Are you catching up at all with any of them? Are you allowed? Uh, yeah, I think we're allowed. Um, I think he's just turning his back on you there, Jim. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> when they're up here in the Lensbury, uh, hopefully catch up with a few of them. I'd, they're a bit vague about what can and can happen. So it could even just be like a bring the deck chair and sit on one side of the fence and have a yarn. But uh, yeah, they're, they're in town. It's going to be good. They're, I think they're really excited to be coming into the UK. That you know, Australia's always sort of rightly or wrongly been such a Southern Hemisphere type style of play and have struggled a bit when, when they've come over here. But I think new group, young, you know, excited for the challenge to sort of test themselves on the world, the, the world stage over here against some of the best, best uh, Northern Hemisphere teams is going to be really exciting for them. Yeah, mate, should be good. And we'll get into the actual selections of it first, but I want to ask you, 72 caps, the Gitto law has been relaxed a little bit. Have you been texting Dave Rennie saying you're playing well? You're just beating Exeter? You get you back in the mix? <laughs> no, no, we haven't. We haven't spoken. Uh, you never lose a dream. I'd love to play for Australia again one day, but, you know, as things are going, they've got they've got a great group of guys there, a great group of young nines as well. So, you know, that's what you want to see. You want to see that competition across, across the board there in the Australian team. You want to make it really hard to get into. So, you know, I'll just keep chipping away, keep enjoying myself over here with a great club, playing in a great competition. And, you know, who knows? Maybe the dream lives on one day. <laughs> when you look at Australian rugby, having played so many times like you have and looking at the growth of England and New Zealand, South Africa, and arguably Australia being left behind, what's changed in Australia? You know, because there seems to be like you're now back as one of the best teams in the world, whereas before it seemed like it was on the demise slightly. Yeah, it was. Last year, they struggled with some results. The uh, year before, obviously, tough year with the World Cup. Um, and then sort of from there, for a year and a bit, it sort of just struggled. To be honest, I've only ever heard great things about the setup that Dave Rennie's got there, him and his coaching staff. Uh, obviously, I'm quite lucky to still be mates with a lot of the boys. 
they, they love him. They love his, his style, the way he wants them to play, the way he encourages them, the culture he sort of breeds there. He's a, he's a big, big, big family man. He's all about sort of forming those bonds with, it, with his teammates. And you hear those things and there's no surprise that so many players are wanting to get back. You know, there's, there's no surprise that, you know, Samu Karevi is coming out of a very good contract in Japan to to be playing for the Wallabies again, doing what he can to play for the Wallabies again, Sean McMahon, all these sort of blokes. And then you link him with the European names over here who are going to be joining on the spring tour. Will Skelton, he's been he's been their number one target for the last five years. And and that's what you want, I think. I think you want those you want that environment to be something that people are desperately in, want to be involved in. I'd love to see blokes like Luke Morahan get a get a look in. He's been you know, I'll form back in the premiership rugby for so long. It'd be the, the relaxing of those Giddo's laws is just so important in the way that they can pick the players that they want to pick. It's not just like a, you know, we'll give him a trial. But if you're a proven performer, I think, you know, people like Moz and Will Skelton and those sort of blokes should be given a great opportunity to get in there, see if they fit in, see if they enjoy the place and, and see if they want to kick on with Australian rugby. Yeah, definitely. And I think with the, the trajectory of the one with the, the wins that they've had back to back to back to back, everyone's excited to see them over here. I can't wait for the England game at Twickenham because Australia are definitely back in the mix now as one of the top teams in the world. What is going to be a successful tour for Australia this autumn? You know, obviously they're, they're probably going to put 50, 60 points on Scotland, no doubt. Hang on. Last time Scotland played Australia, it was a comfortable win. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's all. So with them being pissed off, you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> What do you see then? Scotland, England, Wales, what are your predictions? It's going to be a tough tour for them. And I think they want that. I think they want a tough tour. Scotland seem to be Australia's bogey team. They It's always a game that's sort of right down to the wire. England, you know, they're in a little bit of a transition phase as well, I guess, for the World Cup. I think they're, they're going to have a very good team. And it'll be interesting to see how... I honestly can't commit. I don't know. I'd love to see Australia go three 0 Is it a tough tour, Nick? It's a tough tour. Yeah, yeah. They don't... Why is why is that? Is that is it because it's the end of the season? Is it because the championship? Because again, anyone you speak to, that you know, they say the autumn test doesn't have the same kind of hysteria as obviously the Six Nations. I know, but, but you yeah. think with the Southern Hemisphere teams coming up, and everything you hear is from from South Africa, from Australia, and New Zealand, that it is a tough tour. Is it because it's the end of the season? It's a tough tour because, it, one, it is the end of the season and, two, because it's just back-to-back. Like, there's not many times through the year where, you know, we've got – they played Japan, they've got a week off, then they play Scotland the week. That's four tests in five weeks, which is away from home at the end of a long, long season is tough. I, we were actually trained at Lensbury the other day, the London Irish lads, and Simo was joking that when we're over here on spring tour – you're barely in the gym because you're just all about getting from week to week. Uh, it's one of those ones. But vice versa, you know, your lads also get that when they come down to Australia for the mid-year tests as well. So it's uh, it's nothing to hide about. It's it's going to be tough for them. But I think in a lot of it, like even losses, if they're learning from those experiences, I think it's 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 going to be a successful tour. If, you know, they pick up a couple of wins on the road and, and learn a lot from another one, then they'll be happy with that. And after the season they've had from the last two seasons, uh, they'll be they'll be really chuffed, I think. Yeah, mate, as long as it doesn't rain in Scotland, they're definitely winning that by 30 points. Um, 
let's talk about England then, because obviously you know it's a, it's a massive challenge. We've got the Ashes coming up at some point soon as well. Uh, anything Australia, England is a you know always there's a bit of spite that comes out of it. As a scrum half that's playing over here now in the Premiership, you're seeing the change in Eddie Jones's England squad. Who would you pick at nine? Obviously, there's Ben Youngs, there's Rafi Quirk, and Harry Randall. You've played against them all. Who are you thinking should start at nine for England? Oh, gee, those young boys are good. <laughs> Rafi and, and Randall, they're very good players. Uh, mm. Every time I've played them, they've they've been absolute live wise. Whether they're ready for a starting spot in England yet, who who really knows? You don't really know until you you get that chance um, against some Southern Hemisphere teams. You know, obviously Ben's the out and out best nine option they've got, but do they blood those boys on off the bench and through that way into some really big Test matches? I, I don't really know, but. They snap those young boys coming through, and and uh, oh god, I forget his name from Saints. The nine there, there, yeah, Mitchell, they're all, Mitchell, yeah. That's that's the difference though between here and Australia. Like, you know, you got thirteen unbelievable nines playing every week, whereas in Australia we've got five teams. So, and out of those five teams, you know, one or two will just be out and out uh, the best. So, that competition for spots over here is, is so interesting to watch. And it's it, the thing is, you could pick one, two, or even three really really good England teams it's just about the combinations that he wants alright Nick thank you very much and uh, Irish have got a big game against Bristol this weekend in Brentford so make sure you head along if you are around in London tickets are available on the London Irish website awesome fellas thanks Nick. hopefully see you again soon yeah good luck good luck against Bristol as well thanks buddy thanks mate bye bye this episode is brought to you by UGG y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days well I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Good Top lad. lad. Yeah, yeah. Nice guy. He's one of those nines when I've seen him play. I've never ever spoken to him. But you see him play, he's gnarly, he's in people's faces, and you, you see him as a real pest, don't you? And then you actually speak to him, and he's not like that at all. He's a good Aussie bloke, obviously enjoying his time over here. He's bought into the Irish way of things, and it's, yeah, nice to have him on. Well, he, he spoke really well. One thing that I, I was really impressed with, 
is off the back of that, you've got a snapshot of what it's like at London Irish now. So if you've got guys like him, Paddy Jackson, Sean O'Brien speaking about what makes a good club, and the first point of information on that is the young fellas coming through the academy. Like, do you know what I mean? Because my idea of London Irish was a load of journeymen come in and that's it and off they go again. But actually, and again, I've spoken about some of the players that are playing for London Irish now that I didn't think they'd be any good because they're coming over for a paycheck. And they've absolutely delivered. Well, let's round up the rest of the Premiership action now then. Leicester Sale, what did you make of that game, guys? Six from six from the Tigers? South African war. <laughs> yeah, true. It was, wasn't it? I mean, tell the scrums that. Tell the physicality that. Yeah. Fair play again to Leicester. I know that Sale have got a few injuries, but the way that Leicester played, they're adding layers to their game. And I say that in terms of open space. I even saw Jasper Visa throwing out the back door, set up a try. Loving, absolutely loving the way that Leicester are playing. And, the, you know, for me, some people say that game wasn't great. I'm a little bit different because I enjoy stop start. I loved it as a player. Scrums, <laughs> yeah. line-out drives. And I love the way that South Africa played. The kind of brutality and the physicality in the way that Leicester and Sale were naturally going to play. I, I actually really enjoyed the game. Like I've always said, if you're in doubt, Worcester. If you're in trouble, Bath. Fill yourself and fill your team with South African players. Because if you want physicality, I think they were born with it. Yeah, mate, it was it was built on the scrum dominance as well, wasn't it? I mean, there was physicality, it was a war. But that front row that Leicester put out now, Genji, Coley's on fire. Get Coley back in the England squad. Yeah, he gave Bevan Rod a torrid time at scrum time and uh, Montoya as well. They were, yeah, it was dominant, very dominant. And it's good to see Leicester six from six. Bath were hammered last week, but was there enough improvement away at Quinns to show that they might be able to turn things around? Yeah, 100%. I think it was a final score uh, potentially flattered Quinns a little bit. It was 19-17 with about seven minutes to go and then they scored two tries. But yeah, I mean, Alex Dombrandt again was unbelievable. Uh, ridiculous offload for a try. Joe Marchant having been called into the England squad was class. And Marcus Smith, I found a weakness in Marcus Smith's game, boys. I actually have. A curtain in his eye? No. No, he, he's got okay. decent. He's got decent hair, so he's always playing with his hair, and the hair flick helps him. He's got a goose. I found a weakness though. Have a look at his finish. Have a look at his. He tries to do the swallow dive. It was awful. When he scored, he's he scored a wicked try. He goes on the outside. He went straight up. It, it was. He didn't even get off the floor because I think he thought about doing a big one, and then he's like, "Oh no, I've just been picked for England. Eddie won't like it." So he's kind of pulled out of this swallow dive, and he he got about an inch off the floor. So I found a weakness in his game. It's only about. His I don't believe life. you. Yeah, well, I don't people, believe you. Have a watch of it. It wasn't the best finish. It was a brilliant finish in terms of the try, but his dive was. You know, he needs a bit of work on his dive. What about Marla's tackle? Shocking. Lucky yeah. to get away with the yellow. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I think if Esther Hazen doesn't touch him, it's a red card because he lands on his head, and he's gone in. It's this one where they sort of go on their knees and just put their shoulder in without really wrapping the arms. So I think yellow was the right call, but he was lucky. Well, let's take a look at the URC then, Jim. You were covering Edinburgh's win at Zebra, but it was Ulster's uh, capitulation against Connacht, wasn't it? That was the big result of the weekend? Yeah, I think so. I think the other big result was Ospreys beating Munster, but 
listening to Stevie Ferris. It was, Munster, it was Munster's second team of that, mate, but fair play to Ospreys. It was Munster. It was Munster. <laughs> Munster's Munster. It's like yeah. Leinster. You know, if, if they put the fourth team out, it doesn't matter because there's no salary cap in the URC, but people think there is. Yeah, the big talking point was Connett's win against Ulster. They played at the Aviva. I think they thought they were going to sell it out. Um, they obviously didn't. Uh, but if you listen to Stevie Ferris, friend of the show, and me, but Stevie Ferris is more of an expert on Irish rugby than me. It's been coming for Ulster. Their performances haven't quite been there. They've stuttered a little bit this season. They were quite lucky in that first game of the season against Glasgow. Glasgow nearly pulled away and won that game. And Connor, who have been pretty hot and cold this season, it's not just a win. They pull the pants down. Yeah. So the game was played at the Aviva Stadium under the gla- glaring eyes of Five or six thousand. <laughs> it's a big. I tell you what, with the URC, some of the results they are. It's interesting. It's it's competitive unless you play Leinster. You talk about Ulster. Dan McFarland was absolutely raging one day after the game at his own team's performance because he's he's berated mm. them. He said, "Whenever we're favourites, we're shite." Basically, and I think that goes in line with what Stevie Ferris said. Uh, you know, I think people fancied Ulster to win that pretty comfortably, and then Connacht pulled their pants down. Of course, yeah. But I was at Glasgow as well on Friday night. Andrew, my goodness me. One of the greatest commentators who've ever done it, not me, it was me, said that Glasgow were going to win. <laughs> really? Why are you laughing? Well, just because whatever you say is normally wrong, isn't it? You said Saris has struggled at the start of the year. They're, they're absolutely banging teams. Fair play. Leinster look ridiculous. Well, well, should we have a break from the rugby chat and uh, play a little game? The guests to go at. We're going to have to change it up this week. The evolution. Yeah, we're going to evolve. It's going to be Goody versus Jim in a different way. So, Goody, Jim, it's your turn to guess the go at. Goody, you're yep. going to write a go at onto a piece of paper so that we know that it's legit. And Jim is going to question you and you're going to give him yes, no answers. Yes, I like that. And we're going to add a little bit of time onto it. So, basically, Andy Rowe, what you're saying is you've had a shocker over the first seven rounds. <laughs> And you're absolving yourself of all responsibility now and just handing it over to me and Jim. It's the it's the Goody and Jim show. Jim, you are asking Goody questions. Goody, yes, no, answers only. In five, four, three, two, one, go it. Steve Grisovich. No. Peter Unlove. No. Football. No. Rugby. No. Cricket. No. You're going down a sport that I don't know. That if you, I don't know it, you don't know it. Athletics? No. Darts? No. Oh my goodness me. Tennis? No. F1? No. Oh, don't say golf. It's 30 seconds. Yes. Oh my word. Tiger Woods? No. Colin Montgomery? No. 20 seconds. Oh my goodness me. Who's that guy that's slightly overweight? He's an absolute legend. Darren Clark? No. Des O'Connor. 10 no, seconds. Not a golfer. Des O'Connor. Michael Barrymore. No. What's his <laughs> Two, one. John Fish. Oh, no. No, I thought you might get it at the end. He is the greatest golfer ever. So the go at. Let me, let me pause. Let me pause. If you're saying the greatest golfer ever, oh, is it the guy that starts with Nick? Faldo. It's not Nick Faldo. He's not... He's not the greatest golfer ever. This is the definition of a go-at. He's won more majors than anyone else. So if you, if you go in go-outs of tennis, you'd go... Roger Federer. Exactly. Yeah. And he's, but he's also current. This guy, 
isn't current. Oh, 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 of course he's not. He's a dinosaur and he played in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> but he's the greatest golfer ever. How many times do you phone me? What are you doing? I'm like, mate, I'm on the golf course. I play golf a lot. He's the greatest golfer of all time. Hit me then. Jack Nicholas. What, the actor? <laughs> <laughs> That's Jack Nicholas' son. <laughs> oh, Jack Nicholas. It's my favourite sport, Jim, outside of ruggers. I tell you what, I cannot wait until it's my go. But I, I think that's fair, though. So it's golf, and he has won more majors than anyone else. So you, you automatically went Tiger Woods. He's won more majors than Tiger Woods. It's a good job I'm into my diving, It's all I'm saying. <laughs> and my fishing. Right, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, let's. Uh, we're going to start off in France, Jim, because we love the French. We love French rugby. I love the head chef at Nobu here. Damien, he's a Frenchman. But we're going to start off in Agen. We've hammered Agen in the bad so many times over the last two years, effectively. They had 34 defeats on the spin. Uh, it started in the top 14 pre-pandemic. They haven't won a game since the pandemic kicked in. And they finally, Which is about five years ago. Well, exactly. And their last win was pre-pandemic, and it was against Breve as well, my old club. So uh, massive shout-out to Agen. 34 defeats on the spin. But finally, they beat Auriac on Friday night in Pro D6 or whatever it is. So um, we've got to just give them a shout out because someone sent it to me on social media to say it's got to be the good this week. So big shout out to Agen. Uh, we're going to stay in France as well. And a massive shout out to friend of the show, Philippe Saint-André and Montpellier. They won 32-21 at Racing Metro. Cobus Reinach and Zach Mercer were on absolute fire. If you get a chance, smallest man in the field, Cobus Reinach. Johan Tanga, the big number eight from Racing, picks up. He bangs him, strips the ball out, and then sprints 80 metres to score a try. So, uh, big shout out to Cobus Reinach and Montpellier. Uh, we're going to go over to Ireland now, and we're going to start off with another friend of ours, Jim. I'm not sure if he's, he's a friend of the show, but he's a friend of ours. Simon Zebo, back in the Ireland squad after four years of exile. Uh, he's been on fire for Munster since his return from Racing in the summer. So, uh, massive shout out to him. And staying in Ireland, we're going to give a big shout out to Connacht who spanked Ulster 36-11 at the Aviva Stadium at the weekend. So, um, big tip of the slipper to them. Ospreys, they're going to get a mention. They ended Munster's unbeaten start to the season. I know it was a Munster's second team. Yeah, but it was a second team. team. It was, and Stephen Myler kicked loads of penalties. So, uh, there's the facts of the game. But we've given Ospreys a bit of stick. Well, Jim, you gave Ospreys a bit of stick the other week. Um, so, they get a mention in the good this week. And then we're going to go to the Premiership. Uh, Max Malins gets a shout-out. Four tries. In the game, but only the second ever Premiership player to score consecutive hat-tricks week to week. So uh, a big shout-out to Max Malins. Hell of an effort in his tights. Him and Johnny May, the only boys to wear tights, James. Yeah, I don't agree with tights. But then again, I don't agree with 4G pitches. But then again, I don't agree with big, dirty scabs. So I actually do agree with tights. So roundabout way, who's right? Wear your tights, because Jimmy Gopeth has put a picture up of a a big graze that he picked up from the Saracens 4G pitch. Max Malins, zero grazes. Loads of tights, everyone. Would you wear tights, Jim, now? What the hell? Have you seen the size of my legs? <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's funny that you can wear tights. The first two players to wear tights are wingers. Classic, right? Just give it to a winger. He'll wear it. No, who's going to be the first forward to buckle and wear tights? Imagine a second. They look player. horrendous. Yeah. They look horrendous, though, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I used to wear them in training all the time. Do you know who I think could, could potentially pull them off? Go on. Matt Garvey. <laughs> I'm not sure that would work James I'm not sure that would work anyway going back to the good we mentioned Max Malins what else was good Saints and Courtnell Skozan talking about hat-tricks hat-trick on debut for him so uh, Saints were pretty impressive against a very poor Worcester team we're going to mention Tigers again Jim 
they keep getting a mention in the good because they're six from six. Uh, they outmuscled sale on Saturday at Welford Road, so uh, tip the slipper to them. Uh, but the good this week goes to London Irish, their first win of the season, a very dominant victory down at Exeter Chiefs, and their first win for 210 days. A naked bus by Brad Davis on the way back, loads of beer, and a very happy Irish fan base. So uh, well done to London Irish, you get the good this week. The bad, uh, a few bits of bad, and there's a little bit of a theme to this one, James. But we're going to start off in France with Cast. They had their pants pulled down 41-0 by their local rivals, Toulouse, at the weekend. A really poor performance from them. Ulster, get a mention of the bad this week. Very poor against Connacht, 36-11 loss. Dan McFarland, absolutely raging. So not a good place to be at Ulster this week. And Stevie Ferris was right, James, as you said. What happened was coming to them. Uh, but then we go into three teams, James. And the theme are my old clubs. Oh, God. You, don't you jump on the Saris bandwagon. They don't want you. <laughs> I'm not, that's one of my old clubs as well, but they don't get mentioned in the bad. We're going to start off in France, though, and breathe. Breath. I didn't see what happened. They got their trousers pulled down and spanked properly at Biarritz. 37 points to nine down at Biarritz. I don't think many people saw that coming in terms of a big defeat. But uh, as you know, James, we like Biarritz this season. So, uh, breathe. get a mention in the bad for that one. Wasps. I have to put them in the bad gym. I know. You're shocked. But, but, no, I'm not. They should be. Yeah, you're right. They're right. Lost 56 points to 15 at Saracens. A lot of people trying hard, but unfortunately it was Wasps' second team. Missing 20 players. But you still got to get a mention in the bad for conceding over 50 points. But the bad this week goes to another old team of mine, James. And that is Worcester Warriors. I ain't up here. I ain't up here. Worcester Warriors, 66 points to 10 defeat at Northampton Saints. Pretty embarrassing, conceding 10 tries. Some players not really putting it in for the jersey. I blame Chris Ashton. Worcester, you're getting the bad this week. Do you think they've got a pair of my Timberland boots dangling down <laughs> in the changing room or not? Maybe there's a motivating factor there. We are going to make Jim eat his Timberlands by finishing in the top eight. Six, but they ain't happening. <laughs> I'll try and get that one in. So Worcester get the bad this week. And then the ugly, two bits of ugly Really, for me, firstly, the brawl that spilled over from the pitch into the dugouts in the Toulouse versus Cast derby in the top 14. Thomas Ramos pushes Ben Erda-Pajeta into the Cast dugout and it all kicks off. Players firing in all over the place. Load of handbags, but not a good look for the game. But the ugly this week goes to, unfortunately, the USA, losing 104 points to 14 to New Zealand. They didn't even have their first choice halfbacks available, obviously. AJ McGinty out injured, uh, and a lot of the players from around the world couldn't play. Only the MLR players could play. So to play the best team in the world, or potentially the best team in the world in New Zealand, and all the big fanfare that comes with that, and not being able to have your best team out, and also conceding 104 points, it's fairly ugly for the sport. So unfortunately, the USA get the ugly this week. Thanks, good. And you guys have got some shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, a massive shout-out to Cornish Pirates who have had a campaign running to get the government to support a new stadium in Cornwall. They need all the voices they can get, so please visit www.stadium4, that's the number four, cornwall.co.uk, and get behind them and show your support because the men I field, as much as I enjoyed getting abused when I played down there and having a piss with all the fans pre-match, one bloke looked at me and said, hello, that's a decent one. I said, yeah, thank you very much, we're going to beat you. You need a new stadium, boys. So everyone, get behind the Cornish Pirates and their campaign to get the government to support the new stadium in Cornwall. Yeah, so I've got a shout out to the Youngs family. As we know, we spoke about last week, Goody, that Tiffany is currently battling an illness and Tom's gone back to their home in Norfolk to care for her and be with the family. So 
a guy called Will, who is one of the strength and conditioners at Leicester. He's starting on November the 1st. He'll be running a half marathon every day for a month. So that's a total of 30 half marathons in 30 days. Uh, while he's hoping to raise a significant amount of money for charity of Tiff and Tom's choosing, he also wants to use this challenge to send a message to the Young's family. And that message is simple. And this is what he says. He says, from the players, the staff, the fans of Leicester, other premiership teams and the wider rugby community, we're all behind you and we will continue to be. Uh, so that message is obviously aired across the rugby family, across the rugby pod and anyone that listens to this as well. So Tom, Tiff, big shout out to you and your family. If you want to get behind Will, you can follow him on Instagram at locker underscore 31 or go to his GoFundMe page, which is justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Will dash Finley L-E-I-C, which is short for Leicester. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, producer Tristan. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby Spod. Spotapod, pod, 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 pod. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.